Please turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, and let's just read a a portion of the chapter. Um, Philippians chapter 3, we'll read through to verse 11. Let us hear the word of God. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the real circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. We'll end there at verse 11. May the Lord bless to us the reading of his infallible and errant word. Please be seated. It is a joy to be with you again. Thank you uh, for the introduction. Thank you for the invitation. Um, Yes, Presbyterians have been at the forefront of Jewish mission uh, from Westminster Confession days uh, and indeed beyond. Sometimes we feel that the subject uh, is simply hijacked and taken over by the dispensationalists, but I want to have a a firm no to that. In fact, they have only confused the issue. this uh, lunchtime in the presentation, really, I want, to, I want to show some of the things that we're doing, but really, I also want to pose a question. What does reformed Jewish mission look like? What does church-based reformed Jewish mission look like? And so that's kind of the little uh, commercial for, for the lunch visit and the presentation that will be given. Um, but again, uh, thank you. I didn't realize that I was going to do uh, do a double time here this morning, and uh, I hope I get double salary for that, of course. Um, very briefly, materials are there. Um, as I have said in the past, we have these uh, four series of voices from the past. McShane um, preached, in fact, McShane prayed the opening prayer of the first ever meeting of this society in 1842. Spurgeon preached for this society uh, in the 1860s. Uh, Bonner was also involved, and so was uh, John Rabbi Duncan. Uh, but the theology was the theology of the reformers. And so grateful for Dr. Beakey giving us permission to use uh, a brackle um, and uh, a brackle's vision and uh, biblical understanding 
of uh, the future redemption of the ancient people. So those are all freely available for you. I got you to sing Psalm 67. I hope you see the significance of that, because the significance is that they prayed for us, Gentiles. They prayed for us that the nations may know the God of Israel. They were praying the blessing of God upon them, that the nations may know the God of Israel. And here we are. And it is as the fruit of their prayer that we, that we are here, and therefore it is our desire to respond and to pay back that wonderful um, privilege that they have given to us by bringing the gospel back to them. Um, I have put together a 20 uh, sermon, 20 sermon, 20 lecture series. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't lecture. I just preach. I don't know. I, I, I've never been able to lecture. I just, I just preach it. So there, there are historical lectures, which then just slip into preaching. But that's on our website, um, Awakening the Conscience to the Biblical Burden for Jewish Mission, the Historical Hope for Jewish Redemption, and Contemporary Connections for Jewish Salvation. Uh, 20 series, they're all available for you. If you don't get enough teaching at Greenville Seminary, you can uh, have a few more hours of lecture stroke sermons. And our international magazine is also on the table there, uh, but that's enough for uh, of the commercials. Let's, let's read, or let's turn to God's word as we consider this passage in Philippians chapter three. Now, if I was to ask you, how shall we bless Israel? Um, I hope I wouldn't get the answer uh, from this august body uh, that, uh, well, we should stand with Israel, or, or maybe even worse, we should buy a tree for Israel, or even worse, we should try and find the red heifer and get all the materials ready for the third temple. No. What is the greatest blessing that has come to you? It is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. However, again, I'm preaching to the choir in the sense that, as we well know, there are many gospels being peddled. So how shall we bless Israel, the Jewish people? What is our Christian witness to Israel? Letter to the Philippians, encouraging, instructive correspondence between the apostle and the church that began, as again, we all well know, as a Jewish prayer meeting. And so this church at Philippi was uh, Jewish in origin. It then had Gentiles added to it. It had uh, a jailer, and it had uh, a uh, uh, a few prisoners, no doubt, because uh, the, the witness in the jail was the singing of psalms praising God, and uh, whatever was the makeup of this church at Philippi, it, it obviously had its roots uh, in the Jewish prayer meeting, think of Lydia. And to this church, Paul wrote some amazing and memorable words. He said, to me, to live is Mashiach, Christ. Again, this is the Jewish Hebrew of Hebrews, Pharisee of Pharisees, he says, to me, to live is Christ. He said, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And in that paradoxical verse, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works within you. 
When he comes to chapter 3, we find that he begins finally. By the way, in passing, never believe a preacher when he says finally. Paul is saying finally here. He's only halfway through. He's in chapter 3. He begins finally and speaks of things that bring joy. But he begins then with a warning. And what a warning. The gospel realities that bring joy, these realities are are so immense. He's going to bring them out even in this chapter, and we will really only glance at them. But it's within the context of falsehood. It's in the context of false gospel, false teaching, and he brings this warning. Sinclair Ferguson writes of it as a violent warning among the strongest sentences in any of Paul's letters. It's that important. Look out for the dogs. So first off, I want us to notice that we have here a warning regarding the flesh. A warning regarding the flesh. You've, you've seen the signs, beware of the dog. And you're out for your walk, and there's the house has got the beware of the dog, and and uh, there's this little wiener dog that comes and yap 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 at, at the at the sign, and you realize it's not it's not quite so serious. Paul's warning is serious, and it's really interesting because he he uses a racist term. He uses a term that's for the Gentiles, dogs, and he's using it about some within his own Jewish community. Because as we again know the story, know the backdrop, there were the Judaizers, there were those that were doing damage to the early Jewish church by insisting upon fleshly commands, including circumcision. They were insisting on flesh, mutilation is the word we read here. And Paul calls them unclean dogs. Now, it goes without saying that he knew his stuff theologically. Um, as I say, we're going to come to his credentials in a moment. But this is not an untheological rash comment. This is a violent, Sinclair Ferguson's words, theological warning. In contrast to flesh-filled religion, circumcision, legalistic Torah observance, food laws, he shocks us. Watch out for the dogs. And it must be of vital importance, therefore, for us, and certainly us who are involved in Jewish mission, because this is the very heart of what the gospel is. It strikes at the heart of what Christianity is, and therefore, by extension, what is Christian witness to Israel. There's a warning regarding the flesh. By way of application, I want just to pause for a moment and consider the confusion over confidence. Confusion over confidence. On what do we place our confidence? A few months ago, I was given the opportunity, and I don't think I'll ever be invited back, to preach in a Messianic fellowship in South Florida. I'd never met the guy before. Uh, It was my, my missionary colleague, my Jewish believing friend, Mitch Tepper from Pittsburgh, who had made some connections, and I got the opportunity on this particular Friday evening to preach at this Messianic fellowship. I wasn't two minutes in the door, and the Messianic rabbi came over to me and said, well, why do you worship on Sunday? Do you keep the food laws? And I said, I'm a Gentile. Oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. And he gave, gave me a whole list of the. Now, he did let me preach 
and I got away without them stoning me, but uh, I don't think I'll be back. All that to say simply is that this warning from the apostle is not a theological dispute of a bygone age. It's here. It's now. It's in South Florida. It's in Messianic fellowships. You need to be aware that there are some groups called Tom Jays, Torah observant Messianic Jews. And we might even get the opportunity to preach in their synagogue. But I have serious issues. When Judaism trumps Jesus, Houston, we have a problem. On what do you place your confidence? On what do you place your spiritual hope? There are false gospels in abundance out there, and certainly in the world of Jewish mission. I want to quote you from another Jewish believing brother who spent many years in a messianic fellowship, and he said this. He, he came out from that, ended up marrying an OPC girl, and his theology is a lot better. <laughs> Again, speaking to the choir, of course. He said this. Alarmingly, many Jews who profess Christ are not encouraged to attend church immediately. Rather, they are directed to attend messianic fellowships or synagogues where their Jewish concerns can be accommodated. Here, they are typically taught to hold on to some elements of their Judaic practices and instructed that the church is prejudiced against them in large part. Rather than studying Reformed theology to understand that circumcision is fulfilled spiritually in baptism and the ceremonial law abolished in Christ, these professors of Christ misguidedly think that they must perpetually observe Jewish ordinances. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not writing off all Messianic fellowships. Messianic fellowships are messy but so too is church. I had a lady, um, a Jewish lady, uh, ask me, was my church like Joel Osteen's? And uh, I immediately had to explain that church is messy. Messianic fellowships are messy. But I'm using this extreme example to, to, to flesh out the warning, pun intended. Confusion over confidence abound. Is it in the things of the flesh or is it in Christ? Paul is adamant that there is a real problem here, and he issues the sternest warning. If you continue in the shadows when the substance is here, you are not of the real circumcision. Well, surely we've learned a little bit in the past few years, post-COVID. Is Zoom better than in-person? Is having a, a photo of your wife, either in your wallet or on your phone, as, as we now do it, is that better than having your wife beside you? One of the greatest things that I do is when I'm on these trips, is, is tomorrow morning, I'll hit the button and it says, go home. And my wife of 40 years will be there waiting for me. My wife grew up in East Belfast. I grew up in Bangor. And I learned that my wife actually, uh, her, her grandmother also was from Bangor, Northern Ireland, and she, um, she may have used the same candy store as me. So I have this kind of little romantic notion of, of me, age five or six, and, and, and my wife just actually being in the same candy store uh, whenever uh, we, were, we were both growing up. I could go visit that candy store today. I could go visit the bank where she worked. Um, she, she paid for my seminary days, and uh, she was working in the bank. She didn't get her college degree till age 50. And she paid through my seminary days. But the, here's the question. Do I, have a, do I have a fascination for the shadows of her existence? Do I want to, instead of putting, pressing the button that says, go home to Arkansas tomorrow morning, maybe I want to get on a flight and I can go over to Belfast and I, or Bangor and I can visit the candy store. No, it's just, that's crazy. 
You don't want to go and visit the shadows when the substance is here. Christ is here. You want to go and visit the land? That's good. You want to buy a tree for the land? That's weird. You want to visit Jesus' old candy store? Do you want the shadows or the substance? Ritual or redeemer? What's it to be? Enough of the mutilation. You're confusing the issue on what is your hope? Is it flesh? Is it works? Is it ordinances? Well, then go the whole way, says Paul. Now, Paul is speaking particularly about the Judaizers, and we actually, we have application in in Jewish mission about that kind of thing, even within the world of the Messianic. But I, I simply say, any form of Jesus plus meets with the same warning and is damnably dangerous. Are there churches that maintain that you need Jesus plus baptism? Yes, there are. Need Jesus plus a certain type of baptism? Yes, there are. There is placing confidence in the flesh. It's alive and well, and it's in the church yet. Instead, we are to glory in Christ. We're to glory in Christ. Have no confidence in the flesh, verse 3. So the warning regarding the flesh, my time is pushing on. I need to, and I'm told that's five minutes slow. Okay, so I need to be even more careful. It's great when you go to a place and the clock is actually slow, but uh, anyway. Second point I want to raise concerns wisdom regarding the faith. We've had warning regarding the flesh, wisdom regarding the faith. And so what we find here is that Paul sets out his balance sheet. I said to you that that my wife didn't get her uh, uh, degree until age 50. It was an accountancy degree. She is a a qualified uh, accountant. She's got her degree in accountancy. She is the accountant of the family. On one of my trips... Uh, in Wales one year, I brought home a little gift. I don't often bring home any gifts. I, I might try and get some gifts this afternoon to bring home uh, from the, the beautiful Greenville, South Carolina, but uh, we'll, we'll see. But one gift that I brought home one time, and I really hit it out of the park with this gift, it was a coffee mug, although she drinks more tea than coffee because we're British. Uh, it was a coffee mug, and it said, I love spreadsheets. Yeah, my wife is weird. So uh, yeah, she's, she's the accountant of the family. Well, whether we're an accountant, and I leave all stuff like that with her, whether you're an accountant or not, you've got to do some spiritual accounting, and here's what Paul does. He sets out his tally of credentials, circumcision, I'm an eight-dayer, chosen people, I'm a Benjamite, I'm Hebrew of Hebrews, Pharisee, religious zeal and religious righteousness, I'm your TT guy, I'm totally Torah. That's what he sets forth uh, as his credentials, and then he declares the reality of the spiritual accounting. His assets were actually liabilities. The things that were pluses were minuses, verses 7 and 8, you read it there. In fact, he uses a very unpleasant word for his apparent gains. It's skubala, which is translated rubbish and uh, different opinions. I'm, I'm not a serious linguist who can enter into that argument, but it's either waste that's thrown to the dogs or waste that comes from dogs. His Jewish excellencies compared to Christ were excretia. His Jewish privileges and perfections were put. I want us to see Paul's radical repudiation of fleshly religion, whether it's Jewish Torah or even Christian tradition, 
Sometimes we can get sucked into our bells and smells. Sometimes we can get sucked into, I'd love to see if I've got any Jewish DNA. Why? Well, what's the fascination with Jewish DNA? It's all skubala compared to Christ. Roger Ellsworth comments, it's, it's like striking a match to help the sunshine. I love that little illustration. What, what, what have you got? You're going to strike a match to help the sun? We need this wisdom regarding the faith. By way of application, I want us to think of the gain of the gospel, the gain of the gospel. We read of it here, that I may gain Christ, verse 8. I think the reason for the fascination of things Jewish or Jewish DNA or circumcision or kosher, kosher Torah observance or all those, I think, it, I think it's simple. The fascination for these things is you haven't seen Christ in all his beauty, in all his glory. Matthew Henry writes that they are not about these other things. They are not only less valuable than Christ, but in the highest degree contemptible when they come in competition with him. A Messianic rabbi said to me, and he really, he, he opened up. He said, you know, I have some issues with the Apostle Paul. I said, I bet you have. And then he said, Jesus is my savior, but Moses is my sanctifier. Dangerous damnably dangerous because he hasn't seen the surpassing worth of christ that's what the apostle does verses 9 through 11 the gain of the gospel to gain christ to know him to be found in him to have his righteousness to obtain the power of his resurrection to share in his suffering to be like him in his death and by any means possible to obtain the resurrection of this body wow that's the gain of the gospel now, time forbids us to, to really look at all of that list, but gaining righteousness instead of the skubala. This is the gospel we bring to our lost world, friends. This is the gain of the gospel we bring to our Jewish friends. Enough of the petty issues, enough of nursing them with Judaism. Give them the milk of the word. Open up unashamedly the wonders of Mashiach, the Jewish Christ of God. His blood, his righteousness. Enough of empty Torah observance. No confidence in the flesh. The gain of the gospel. So that you, Jew or Gentile. So that you, unclean dog, Gentile or externally clean parush, Jewish person. That you may have a right accounting. And though the wages of sin is death that you shall obtain the resurrection of the body. Well, third point, we need, we've had the warning regarding the faith. We've had the, the, we've had the, the warning regarding the flesh, the wisdom regarding the faith. Thirdly, the work of pressing forward, the work of pressing forward. And, and for this, we need to get into the second part of the chapter, which we didn't read, but I'll just be briefly referencing it. I, I trust you know it well. The work of pressing forward. Well, I thought you said no work, Stephen. Well, yeah, as we know the little quote, we are justified by faith alone, but the faith that justifies is never alone. Just a few headings, and again, having the time to deal with them, I'll say a sentence or two about each. But we find him focused, facing 
following and finishing. Okay, those four Fs I want us to just briefly look at. Focused, facing, following, and finishing. Focused, do you see where he's focused? Verses 12 and 14. He's focused on glory. He's focused on the upward call. He's not looking downward. He's not looking at earthly things. He's not looking at fleshly things. His focus is vertical. Here's the error of the modern church, isn't it? Pragmatism. Peer group pressure for the horizontal gain. As we would say in Northern Ireland, getting the bums on the seats. You have a different meaning for that word, bums on seats. But uh, anyway, having a good bank account, winning the world with the world. Horizontal. Not so the apostle. Upward, onward, glory, focused. Oh, that we would do so in our witness, ministries, in our worship, in our mission. He's focused upward. He's facing forward. Forgetting what is behind, verse 13. Forgetting what lies behind, straining toward what lies ahead. He's forgetting what lies behind. Well, that could mean a multiple number of things. But I, uh, what comes to my mind, at least, is Hebrews chapter 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers. Now, that is a stunning statement from the apostle. In the past, God, the living, the true God, spoke to his Jewish forefathers. Didn't speak to my Scots-Irish ancestors. Two, three thousand years ago, my Scots-Irish ancestors were dancing around stone in the highlands of Scotland. Didn't speak to my ancestors. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers, and then Hebrews 1, but not in these last days. He has spoken to us by his Son. Onward and upward, facing forward, following, following. Verse 17, he says, following the apostle. Well, that's a bit arrogant, Paul. Imitate me, us, join us, join me. Well, that's the way of the new covenant. Apostolic witness, not rabbinic witness. Sorry, Mr. Messianic Rabbi, Moses doesn't do it for me. It's apostolic witness. Following the apostolic witness, which is following Christ, obviously. And then finishing verse 20, finishing heaven, finishing heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus. That, that, that's our citizenship, friends. Now, permit me as a new citizen of the U.S., as of two years ago, to pass a comment. We are by birth children of Adam. I am by birth a British citizen. Two years ago, I renounced all foreign... <laughs> 1776 and all that. And uh, yeah, your problems are all my problems now. I have a new citizenship. Well, by birth, we are children of Adam. We have been reborn from above. Heaven has come down. The spirit of the triune God has come to live within us. That's new covenant. That's Christianity. That's our citizenship. And our finishing line should have ourselves focused on heaven focused on heaven. Are you too heavenly minded to be of earthly use? You've heard that phrase, I'm sure. I don't think you can be too heavenly minded. I think we're far too earthly minded. We're far too horizontally minded. Many Jewish people come to the U.S. and they come, become assimilated into U.S. culture. I've even seen kippahs with Santa on them, and that's just weird. 
Santa on a kippah. Yeah, okay. Jewish people become assimilated. I've become assimilated. I use your terms. I use your, your I've changed my language. I've, I've even changed my accent to some degree so that I can be understood. I haven't uh, deliberately changed my accent. You get like the people you're among. But I've changed my words. I talk about a, a trunk and not a boot. I talk about a hood and not a bonnet. I talk about uh, a windshield and not a windscreen. I've been assimilated. Are you assimilated to Christ? Our citizenship is heaven. And our emphasis in our ministries must be to pursue the prize, the upward call. And we do that among the lost, Jew and Gentile. Paul speaks here, again, we haven't time to deal with it, but again, it's a, it's a stunning phrase. He talks about being seized by the sovereign. Christ Jesus has made him his own. You are not your own. He's been laid hold of. He is bought. He's a citizen of heaven. Telling a Jewish person the gospel is not simply reciting Isaiah 53. It's bringing the warning regarding the flesh. Wisdom regarding the faith and the gain of the gospel. And the work of pressing forward. Matthew Henry says the apostle was as ambitious of being sanctified as he was of being justified. We want godliness in the church of Jesus Christ. The apostle was a pressing on guy. He was the epitome of Bunyan's character. And if you haven't read it recently, go read it again. Pilgrim's Progress. Are you making progress? I need to finish, but my, uh, my daughter last year, last Christmas, bought me a subscription for StoryWorth. Now, what is that? That is, it's simply that I get a question in my inbox every Monday. And that question may be like, um, where did you go on vacation as a child? Uh, what were your favorite toys? Are you more like your mom or your dad? What were your grandparents like? Uh, one of the latest ones that I've been writing up, and this, this will be printed, uh, at the end of the year, I will have 52 questions answered, uh, and it will be printed at the end of the year. So I will have about 50,000 words. I will have a PhD in Papaology at the end of that time. I will have uh, 52 questions answered. But the, one of the recent questions, well, what advice would you give to your great-grandchildren? I have 13 grandchildren. What advice would you give to your great-grandchildren? It's this. It's the gospel. It's the gospel and the gain of the gospel and pursuing the prize. And what is it? Well, Sinclair Ferguson puts it as he uh, does uh, in so unmatched manner. He said, it is full, unclouded knowledge of Christ and fellowship with him. What worth the dog dirt of religiosity compared to the transformation to be like him? And be with him forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gospel of God. We thank you that the ancient people passed that gospel, even a remnant passed that gospel to the Gentile world. And as we rejoice in the Lord, 
over these wondrous truths. May we have this longing to bring that gospel back to those that brought it to us. Bless our studies and our future ministries, that in all things we may have a vertical focus, following the apostolic witness and finishing by pursuing the prize. Hear us and help. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.